Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that's as slick as a frog's behind in a stagnant, muddy pond. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast dedicated to all of us pipe-smokers around the world, coming to you from the heavily smoke-filled recording studio built here at my office just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, the weather's been a little uh, sticky-steamy the last couple of days, and Smoke's just kind of lingering in here. Ah, the warm smell of Virginia's. Anyway, in tonight's show, gonna pontificate or uh, give my opinion on the bowl finishes. Gonna talk about smooth, sandblast, rusticated, straight grain, cross grain, so on and so on. Talk about that in pipe parts. My guest tonight is author, publisher, pipe smoker, Gary Schreier. Gary, not short of opinions, so it'll be fun to talk to him. Got a very big mailbag, going to cover the NASPC show, plus a couple of other things that have popped up for you. Got some music, has nothing to do with pipes, just a song from a friend of mine. So, got a great show, looking forward to everybody hanging out with us. Yeah, I'm back from Columbus, got a couple of weeks at home, then we got some uh, got some more traveling events coming up. So if you get a chance, Nashville, September 13th and 14th. Richmond, the core show, October 11th, 12th, and 13th in Richmond, Virginia, Las Vegas. I believe I'll be down in uh, South Florida doing a trunk show in October. I'll let you in on all that. In the meantime, school's back in, and we're back in full-blown marching band season again. So that means that, uh, well, that means that most of my weekends are pretty busy between now and the middle of November between uh, work and school and home and uh, son's back to school rant at the end of the show specifically from a situation that he ran into so all right everybody sit back relax fire up a bowl thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company here we go Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog in the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. This is Internet Radio. 
Welcome back. All right, in just a few minutes, Gary Schreier, mailbag at the end, music coming up, rant, all that fun stuff. Plus, remember, keep sending me your favorite moments from shows of the past for our uh, anniversary show, and i got a special guest plan for that. Make sure and send them to me in a private message on Facebook or on PipesMagazine.com or Brian at PipesMagazine.com. We'd appreciate that. So, I'm going to warn you all right now. Warning, warning, warning. I'm going to get highly opinionated. I am the leading expert on my own opinion, and you're welcome to it. But here in Pipe Parts, had a discussion earlier this week with a friend of mine. We'll call him Miguel in Miami. And Miguel in Miami asked me, what's the difference in the smokability of a straight grain versus a cross grain or bird's eye versus a sandblast or a smooth? I've had the discussion before about how sandblasts lighten up the pipe and supposedly give a little more surface area to it. Same thing with a rusticated pipe. What's the real difference, in my opinion, between a straight grain or a really tight bird's eye or a flame grain? So, first of all, let's uh, define these real quick. Straight grain means that the grain runs straight up and down the bowl. All right, straight up and down the bowl. Ideally, straight up and down the bowl all the way around the bowl is a perfect straight grain. Cross grain means that the, that the grain runs across the bowl from left to right. So you'll see cross grains on two sides of it, and you'll see bird's eye on the other sides. All right, that's a cross grain. What's a flame grain? Flame grain means that the grain comes out and goes in, a, in different directions, kind of fans out. Some really should be called a fan grain, but it's ideal. it's been called a flame grain for a long time. You'll have some good straight grain or some flame grain in one area and then a little bit of uh, bird's eye on the other area. Then the other kind of grain, I kind of call it a mixed, or sometimes you'll see a pipe that doesn't have a real good grain defined grain pattern and might have some washed out spots on it. Now, here's where I get really highly opinionated. In my opinion, the most important measurement of a straight grain or the cross grain is the measurement between your two ears. For most of us, a straight grain or a good cross grain with really tight bird's eye on it, that looks really good. There is some maybe some truth to the fact that a more dense block is going to have more uniform grain in it, whether it be a real dense bird's eye or a real dense straight grain, so that real dense block is going to help dissipate the heat a little bit better. But in my honest opinion, it doesn't matter. What is the real test of it is if the pipe, if the block has been cured properly, is dried out, and the pipe has been engineered well, that is much, much, much more important, in my opinion, to the smokability or the taste of the pipe than whether or not the grain runs up and down. Now, if the grain runs left to right, yeah, it doesn't matter. The thought, though, is that with the tighter grain patterns, that, that those grains are going to help pull the heat out, or the grain's going to mean that the wood is a little more dense. I think what you want to really look for, if you want a pipe that's going to smoke cooler and add to the taste of the tobacco that you're smoking, 
I think what you really want to look for is a block of wood that feels light. If it feels lighter than it should, that means that that block has been cured really well. The other measurement of a block or of a pipe that I've talked about before that I think is important, and it's important to me, so it must be true, is the amount of wood left on the bowl. I look for pipes that purely have a, a minimum of a quarter inch of wood all the way around the tobacco chamber. I want a quarter inch thick wall at least. I don't want to go much more than that, maybe a third of an inch, because I don't want the pipe getting too heavy or too blocky looking. But that quarter inch of diameter allows enough wood on the tobacco chamber to handle the heat or to take the heat and dissipate it out. Does the straight grain help? I can't tell the difference. If there's people out there that can, more power to you. I think most of us that smoke a pipe, what really matters to us is that the block's been cured right and that the tobacco chamber and the draft hole is drilled correctly and that our style works with that pipe. That's what's most important to me. If you've got a different opinion, hey, post it on the forum. Put it right there on the show link. Look forward to seeing it. So, all right, in just a minute, we'll be back with Gary Schreier. Hi, this is Sykes Wolfert from SmokingPipes.com, and you're listening to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical, a tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented Perfect Match system. Try it at SutliffTobacco.com. Go to SutliffTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. It is my pleasure to welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show author and publisher and pipe smoker, the one and only Gary Schreier. Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Nice so, to be here. So let's go back to the beginning. Uh, Where did you grow up and how did you get started smoking a pipe? Well, I was born in 1961 in Montreal, Canada. And uh, I guess I started smoking about the time I uh, turned 18. Um, I started doing a lot of wilderness canoeing um, back in the bush, and, and the pipe just seemed like a natural thing to do. It was a great companion. It was a great companion then, it's, and it's still a great companion. And uh, so back in those late teenager years, that's really um, where I smoked the most. I really didn't smoke uh, away from my canoe. Uh, it was mostly when I was on the trail, and, um, and things have progressed since then. Now, this was all up in Quebec? Yes. Yeah, it's, that's uh, where I did most of my canoeing in Quebec and also Ontario, just uh, next province over. Are you uh, fluent in French? Oui, monsieur. 
parle français. Oh, good. All right, don't say anything that'll get us in trouble with the French. Yeah. Because I won't know what you just said. Uh, <laughs> do you remember what the first pipe was that you bought? Yes, I do. I'm almost ashamed to admit it, but it was a French pipe, and it was a BC or a Butch Chocan pipe. <laughs> it was a little bent thing, probably um, a la Dunhill Group 3 with a, uh, a rusticated bowl. It was about as good as I could do, knowing what I knowing what I knew then, which was nothing. <laughs> uh, what was the, uh, what tobaccos did you start out with? I started out with what smelled best. And to me then, it, it was um, Bork and Riff Cherry Cavendish. How long did you stay on, on Bork and Riff? Uh, for too long. I could smell it in my sleep. <laughs> did your tongue divorce you? You know, back then I never really gave it much thought. Um, I just thought that was that was part and parcel, part of, of the pipe smoking experience, really. And um, I wasn't a great thinker back then. <laughs> and I like to think I'm a little bit more of one now, but I really didn't think too much about the whole experience at that tender age. And uh, I just smoked, and uh, most of the time it was fun. And uh, so that was that. When did you, uh, when did you start getting a, m a more mature uh, pipe smoking palate? Oh, I would have to say sometime in my in my early thirties. Um, I don't know what really prompted the whole affair, but um, I suppose it, at the time it was one of a few pipe shops that I visited uh, around town. And I just started trying different things. What was the pipe shop? Uh, one of them, uh, these are in Montreal. They're, they're still actually open. One of them was Bladder and Bladder. Yep. And, and the other one uh, is called Ari Pupar. Both really fine shops. Yeah. I, I know the Bladders are, run a great shop up there. Yeah, they do. All right, let's fast forward. Now you're in Washington State. Uh, right. How, how'd you get to Washington State? And and don't say by car. <laughs> by plane? Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I had hired on with an, uh, an engineering firm uh, out of Boston, and uh, they had a few openings, and one of which was um, uh, the uh, kind of greater Seattle, western Washington area. So we moved out here. My wife wanted to go to the one of the other open areas, L.A., but I said no. <laughs> I was actually also interested in a place called Lake Charles, Louisiana, but um, they don't take too too well to Yanks out there. Um, it's just too deep south, so uh, I was dissuaded from uh, picking Louisiana. So we ended up uh, out here in, in Washington State, and that was in uh, late 94 when we moved out here, my wife and I. So you, you've been an American now for several years. Yeah, in fact, that's true. Uh, I naturalized U.S. citizen um, in uh, 2003. Was, was that the last time you said A? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. People that are, people have a well-tuned ear pick up my Canadian, um, my Canadian drawl. 
every now and then, and I'm always surprised by it. You know, the people out here in the Northwest are, are really recognized for not having much of an accent, um, let's say as compared to other distinct ones um, in the country like, you know, New England or New York or Boston, uh, you know, Texas, et cetera. Or the the people in Lake Charles, Louisiana. <laughs> right. I still really wanted to go there, but it's mostly for the seafood, I guess. Not really for the climate. So, and you you've maintained a uh, an affair with the pipe all through this whole time. Oh, definitely. And it's obviously it's grown. When I moved out here, I was just a smoker, and. Um, Again, that was in '94, and uh, six years later, I decided to uh, uh, to get really heavily involved with it, um, and was the um, at the genesis of starting the Seattle Pipe Club with two other two other individuals. Out here. That was uh, yeah, early 2001. Yeah, actually, uh, we started meeting and talking about. Uh, the Seattle Pipe Club in, in, in the fall of 2000. That was myself and Matt Gus and Ron Butler. And uh, we had our first uh, club meeting at a tinderbox um, in kind of East Seattle called Issaquah, uh, um, January of 01. And the club's been going strong ever since. It is one of the great pipe clubs of the of the country. Thank you. Yeah, we think it is too. It's... Um, uh, the membership has grown tremendously, and there's more and more activity and, and interest. And um, it, it's it's been a really big part of my life. Who would have guessed? Who who would have thought? And then you started this little company called Briar Books Press. Well, actually, I started the the publishing company a few years later. Uh, you know, after I had. I decided to embark on uh, my first authorship uh, on the history of the Calabash Pipe. And I was really looking for ways to continue with writing and for getting more books out. So it seemed natural that a publishing company would be a good idea. And that would, of course, allow me to uh, expose other writers, um, mostly pipe smokers and collectors from... Um, in, in getting their works out. So, yeah, it was really about, I guess, I want to say about 2005, 2006 that uh, Bride Books Press started. And the, the history of the Calabash was the first book? Right, yeah. And it's dedicated purely to the Calabash shape or just the, or the Gourd Calabash in particular? Primarily to the Gourd Calabash, yeah. Second edition highlighted um, one collector in particular, Heim, uh, who is known to have a have a, a strong penchant for the Calabash shape, but mostly in Briar. But yeah, it was a book about the history of, of the Gourd Calabash that came uh, and still does in a very very uh, small way from uh, South Africa. Now, can you dispel the the myth of Sherlock Holmes for us all? Excuse me. Well, it it is mostly myth, but um, you know the fact of the matter is that uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle um, 
never included the calabash in any of his works, though at the time of his writings, um, immediately after the Boer War, uh, uh, before and after, I should say, you know, the pipe was around, and he knew of it, but he didn't include it. It, it was really only uh, on the stage in the States and in America, and soon afterwards in um, in movies and in um, comics that the character, Donan's, uh, Conan Doyle's character became associated heavily with the Calabash because it was such a such a topical and, and uh, weird-looking thing. And as as a detective going around London, I don't think you'd want to carry that in your pocket exactly. Exactly. So what was what was next for the uh, for the Briar Books Press? Well, really, the next publication that I wrote, my second book, uh, was Confessions of a Pipe Man, an irreverent guide for today's pipe smoking man. And that was a book that uh, was really hard for me to formulate. Again, I, I, I kind of had withdrawals after completing the history of the Calabash Pipe. I went around, you know, for a year or so, uh, wanting to write, but really not knowing what to put my hand to. Um, you know, I wanted to make a contribution. I didn't want to embark on another five-year project like the Calabash history writing was. So I came up with this concept of pipes and pipe smoking by Gary, about Gary, uh, because of Gary, all about Gary uh, <laughs> and my thoughts. And, uh, and the result was concessions. And I've never been known to, to uh, speak uh, PC, politically correct, Um to my detriment at times, especially in work, <laughs> at my real, my day job, my vocation. Uh, so Confessions was a really fun project. Once I thought of the idea, um, you know, putting it in words and organizing it as chapter by chapter in a book was a lot less difficult, and it was a fun project. Fun in a, the Calabash history was, was fun, too, um, but there was... Very, very little research involved to do confessions because I, I knew, I knew it already. I, I knew the book. The history of the Calabash was unknown to me, and for the and for everyone else, primarily unknown too. So that was hard, uh, digging all this stuff up. Uh, confessions was, relatively speaking, easy. We're going to take a break right here, and when we come back, I'm going to try to get Gary to uh, give us some confessions on confessions. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeerschaumStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including calabash, claws, dragons, horror, even a sexy series. MeerschaumStore.com. The most trusted Meerschaum store for 50 years. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favourite blends outside of the US? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favourite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the US and international with no worries. 
fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We are back. Gary is still with us. Gary, I got a couple of questions for you on uh, confessions of a pipe man. So can can you confess to me how many times you made edits in it to make it a little more PC? Boy, that's tough. I did my best. You know, when I when I put that book together, I was I was concerned that to some it would be offensive, in particular to the Danes as as a country <laughs> in all, because I was I was uh, I, I was striking them down for their overuse of uh, of uh, of sweeteners. Um, that was one thing that, that that gave me some pause, but um, um, no, you know that um, it it was a fun book. It was an irreverent book, and a, a lot of a lot of uh, what I put in there was tongue in cheek. There there were only a few people, and I'd love to mention their names, but I won't uh, because they won't take it well. Uh, who thought that I'd gone overboard? And that it, um, it, it, you know, it, in some t- to some extent, it done it, it had done more harm than good, uh, and and they're just not funny people. They've got no sense of humor, um, and all they see is um, division with the, that that kind of a book that Confessions is, if you will, a kind of a. Uh, contemporary primer on, on pipe smoking and the, and the way it should be, according to me, and everyone else is wrong. Well, you know, that's 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 their point of view. But I wrote the book. Um, you know, I, I didn't write the book for me. The Calabash book I wrote for me, and I thought that the market wouldn't be great, and it and it wasn't. But it's it's typical of uh, a lot of very focused um, historical treatises. Confessions was obviously uh, written for a much broader audience, and I, I think that a lot of it holds true um, for a lot of pe- for a lo- for a lot of how people have progressed in their pipe smoking careers, if you will. And uh, I, I think they can see a lot of truth, in my opinion, though they may disagree with with that. Does it bother you if they disagree? Oh, not at all, not at all. Because I can tell you. As I've found out with doing this little show, if you're not bothering somebody, you're probably not doing anything. Right. You can always look at it that way. Yeah. Definitely. Now, the the one accolade that I can say about Confessions is it is the only book of pipe-related, uh, of, of a pipe topic that's ever been mentioned on a national network television show. And I'll let oh. you tell the story. Oh, okay. So you're probably referring to um, how Confessions made it on to the Jimmy Fallon show. Yep. Okay, well, that was, I guess, um, it came on live the day after Valentine's Day. So it would be February 15th. Um, I want to say two years ago, but you feel free to correct me. Maybe it's been three years now, boy. Time, I think time really does fly. Yeah. But anyway, I was sitting at home late one evening, and I got this email from uh, the recently departed Bill Unger, um, you know, editor of the Pipe Collector and founder of uh, the uh, North American Society of Pipe Collectors and, and, uh, and a dear friend. And he said, you got to check this out. Uh, so there was a link in the email. 
the Jimmy Fallon show. So I clicked it, and uh, um, there I was. I was on the Jimmy Fallon show, or Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, I think is what his show is called. And Confessions of a Pipe Man was on the top ten do not read list. (laughs) I hadn't heard of the do not read list. Uh, but it's this annual show that Fallon puts on, and I've only watched uh, Jimmy's show a few times, though I really like his style. Uh, um, so I watched it, and I thought it was just um, just hysterical. Uh, I, I would have been happier if it was on the Jimmy Fallon you know, top ten read list, but I don't think he has that list. <laughs> that I, You know, that, that would have been like the Oprah list, and I knew that my chances would have been far less likely to be on the Oprah list than uh, than I was on the Fallon list. And the Fallon, to get on the Fallon list, um, you know, was probably a, a one in one in a million shot. And it was uh, probably more our target audience anyway. Yeah, probably. I don't see too many women pipe smokers out there, and I think Oprah's fan club are mostly made up of women, including my wife, and she doesn't smoke a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> But so I made it on to the Fallon show. I was the second, I, I think it was the second book on his top ten do not really read list. And um, I, I really, really liked it. Uh, Fallon lampooned me. I saw it brilliantly. Um, and even Marty Pulver's got a plug. Uh, Marty, uh, for those who've read or have seen the book, um, will know that he wrote the foreword to Confessions of a Pipe Man. And... Uh, Fallon thought that um, since Marty had written had forwarded written the, the forward to the book that uh, it was just a great book, a great book to not read. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Marty to death. He, he's a uh, he's a wonderful curmudgeon. Yes, he is, and he's he's good. One of the senses that he's really good in, and why I wanted him to write the forward to the book is because he has uh, a very, uh, very nice and oftentimes somewhat in, uh, you know, un-PC-like way of um, cutting to the quick and telling it like it is. And, and um, because he's been there, uh, more so than most of us uh, have been at this pipe-smoking game. So he's really good, and his perspective is... Uh, is uh, I think typically very, or, or rather, I should say, very well appreciated and, and followed, especially on his uh, his um, you know used pipe site uh, Pulver's Briars. Now let's go forward with some of the other stuff that you've done that I have really enjoyed personally, and I own several of them. Is you you've reprinted some of the old British companies' catalogs, right? What made you do it, and thank you for doing it. Well, um, you're welcome. Uh, um, well, I reprinted the catalogs for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, Briar Books Press was starting out, uh, you know, just after, uh, you know, with Confessions, and uh, I really wanted more titles to, you know, get the company going and get more products in, in, in the line. And uh, um, I've always liked uh, historical old material, the black and white stuff, and uh, really no one did it better or more profusely and with and with style and substance than Dunhill. And their 1928 catalog, as I found out, uh, was really the best of the best. And 
uh, I, I found that out from speaking with a few people, and one of those was John Loring, another recently departed uh, great um, from uh, from our collector's hobby. And, uh, and just immense Dunhill knowledge. Oh, yes. And it, it, it's a wonderful piece. And that catalog was uh, in the public domain, as they say. So it was uh, out of copyright protection. So it was uh, available to be reprinted. And um, I think things in print uh, are still useful. Uh, there are many of us especially younger generations who are pipe smoking that want everything to be digital and available online and typically for free. But books are still much like pipes, and even though there are e-cigarettes, I, I think one day there might be an e-pipe. There already is an e-pipe. Yeah. Uh, I think books are, are still relevant today, um, just like brick-and-mortar stores are for tobacconists. Uh, books, uh, ink and paper, bound uh, reading material that is still relevant, and I like it, and uh, it's it's the best way I think to read, especially when you're smoking a pipe. So we started off with the Dunhill catalog, and we progressed from there. We did uh, the BBB catalog. We did uh, um, uh, a compilation of various Lowy uh, materials and catalogs, and um, and then we finished off. Most recently, with a uh, an even earlier uh, com- companion set of two catalogs uh, from Dunhill, one from uh, the First World War and one soon after in 1923, a Christmas catalog, an, a very early edition of their uh, Smokers Encyclopedia about smoke. So we had a lot of fun with those catalogs, and and they've brought a lot of knowledge forward to the present. Uh, about how things were done, and one, you know, we can all reminisce about, you know, how things used to be and uh, how different they are today. So, that's that's the catalogs. They are all presented beautifully. They're all in, incredibly fascinating reads, and yeah, you know, I enjoy mine. Anybody that's in the pipe smoking hobby right now that wants to see what was going on in the uh, in the early golden days of pipes, these are perfect perfect portals into uh, into that time frame. And there are other catalogs that we've looked at doing as well. Unfortunately, some of the names of these pipe companies aren't known to the mainstream, and what that means to me, kind of commercially speaking, as a publisher, is that you know, the volume of sales would be low. So yeah. it's like, here's here's a, a company who is big in pipes at the turn of the century, let's say in America, but no one knows who the, um, you know, the Gandalf Pipe Company was. They don't own one. Uh, a Gandalf Pipe, for instance, um, they, they've never, maybe, maybe they've only seen one on eBay once, but... You know they're not going to buy a. Uh, they're not going to drop twenty five or, or or forty dollars on a catalog from the Gandalf Pipe Company. So the catalogs, some of which are just stunning uh, lithography uh, productions. You, you know the brand isn't known like a Dunhill or BBB, uh, so they won't go and buy it. So you know I've, I've got to temper my my own interest for the historical with the realities of uh, 
of the commercial marketplace. Your your wife will temper it for you when you start spending money. Yeah, that too. So you've done a couple other things. You, you've got a couple of other books on there that are fun for people to look at. Go to the website is briarbooks.com. Uh, you've got a couple of all you got retailers that are uh, carrying your carrying your books as well. Uh, what's what's the latest? Brian, the latest book uh, I released in Chicago uh, this past May. It was written by um, a university student in Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, his name is Asad Bakalani. Uh, so he's he's Canadian, and he's a poet. And he's an architect, and uh, he's been smoking pipes and uh, and cigars for years. Uh, even though he's only like 26, and so he wrote a book, which uh, was titled um, "The Pipe Smokers Daily Fair: uh, 52 Poems to uh, Inspire uh, the Pipe Smoking Man." And it's it's a wonderful compilation of original poetry. Now there are a number of, of books on poetry, but most go back to the 1890s through the 20s, and for the most part, they're compilations of of, of you know single poem authors uh, over the years. Uh, but this is all brand new. It's contemporary. It's all original and. It's very topical in the sense that the poems are written about, uh, written on subjects that are all pertinent to today's pipe collector and pipe smoker. Uh, everything from, you know, a wet smoke to, um, you know, what inspires uh, a pipe maker to um, smoking in public, uh, the new pipe smoker to. Um, smoking on a holiday with your loved one, which pipes to bring, and it goes on and on and on. So it's a wonderful little hardcover book, and uh, it's doing really, really well. As You know, poetry is, is not something that people go out for these days, like like it was up until perhaps, I don't know, the 30s or 40s. Um, but I encourage everyone to kind of look within themselves, to their inner soul, if you will, on what smoking means to them, because this book will bring it out. This is just really, it's a niche of a niche, because it's poetry, which isn't a a dramatically popular thing, and it's pipe smoking. Right. And it's a young guy that did it. It sounds perfect yes, to me. Yes, exactly, Brian. And, you know, there's 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 been a lot of talk about... Um, a renaissance, if you will, and some people have 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 applied that that term to pipe smoking and collecting. That a lot of twenty somethings and thirty somethings are getting into this into this lifestyle, and I don't know about that, but I do know that uh, this is a great um, it's a great opportunity for um, these twenty and thirty something newbies and um, you know, for the dyed in the dyed in the wool uh, guys like us um, <laughs> in our youthful fifties yeah. uh, um, to uh, to read this stuff. It's 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 a very touching um, monument to uh, to to the pipe smoking lifestyle. Yeah, there is a uh, there is a youth movement. We've had a couple of them on the show over the summer where we did the. Uh 
School's Out for Summer Younger Kids series, and they're uh, they're fascinating people, and this is this is perfect. So I'm glad you glad you found it and was able were able to get it off to press for us. Yes, yes, indeed. Now let's talk about you a little bit. Besides pipe smoking and uh, running the press, what else do you do? Well, for the last ten years, I've been employed as a, uh, a cable TV guy. I'm not Larry, the cable guy. I'm Gary, the cable guy. That's how I, I introduce myself to clients when I'm selling cable to them. So I'm a commercial sales guy. So I, uh, I'm out there every day speaking with uh, small and mid-sized businesses out here in the Seattle marketplace selling cable, cable internet and cable phone, and even uh, even old-fashioned cable TV. Wow. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, anything else? Keep your free time busy. Boy, um, not a whole lot. You know, between uh, my vocation, the avocation, and uh, I live on a, on a small farm with a couple of horses, a couple of dogs, a couple of cats, um, my wife, my 17-year-old. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's quite a bit. It's quite a bit. That's and awesome. then, of course, there's the, uh, the nap time. <laughs> I started getting into naps probably about oh, four or five years ago, and couple naps on the weekend one every night after work and that pretty much takes up the day (laughs) and and with the property there's always a fence to mend or something to paint oh exactly so we'll wrap it up with the fast five final questions there's no right answers there's no wrong answers short or long whatever you want to answer are you ready ready what's your favorite pipe dunhill what's your favorite tobacco i'm gonna say it's a cross between a Russ Roulette, Larry's Blend, and a Greg P's um, uh, Odyssey. And what's your favorite drink? Ardbeg, 10-year-old. What's your favorite thing to do while smoking a pipe? Drinking my Ardbeg, scotch. And where's your favorite place to smoke your pipe? Everywhere. Check out all of the stuff that Gary's putting out for us at briarbooks.com. Uh, we'll try to pop up a link to the uh, to the Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon thing just for everybody to see again. Gary, thank you very much. I look forward to seeing you uh, probably at the uh, West Coast Pipe Show. Definitely, and thank you, Brian, very very much. We'll be back in just a minute. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Does anything beat relaxing on the patio or playing 18 holes with a fine cigar during the summertime? Kathy of Cup of Joe's has the place for you. Queensberry Cigar and Pipe. Enjoy their cigar lounge with three large screen TVs or a patio to soak in the rays. You have to check out their beautiful cedar-lined walk-in humidor and their huge selection of pipes to choose from. They even have fast delivery for those of you that are out of the area. Queensberry Cigar and Pipe, Route 9, Queensberry. On Facebook under Cup of Joe's Cigars and Pipes and the web at cupofjoes.com. There you go. As the fall is coming up and you're looking for some indoor reading material, check out Briar Press and see what Gary's got. Lots of good stuff there. 
All right, in just a few minutes, big mailbag with my uh, NASPC review, and then rant later on. In the meantime, music-wise, going all the way back to high school, had a friend of mine named Billy DeVette. Billy was in uh, long-haired rock and roll bands in L.A., and now he's uh, back producing his own music again. So I really like this song. Thought it's kind of uh, perfect, considering all the traveling that I'm doing lately. to hear more of billy's music he's on reverbnation.com and itunes.com it's billy b-i-l-l-y devet d-v-e-t-t-e a lot of fun stuff on there you've got mail although not uh, truly mailbag related but the star tribune the local edition in wisconsin states that uh, Wisconsin tobacco growers, which traditionally grew tobacco for uh, loose-leaf chew, long-leaf chew, kind of like the old uh, uh, Applejack and uh, all the big pouch tobaccos, they are now switching over, because of the lack of demand for the long-leaf chew, to uh, tobacco for smoking for both cigarettes and pipes, and they're finding a growth in that market. So, hey, 
Listen, if it's true in Wisconsin, it must be true in the uh, rest of the world. There is a, a growth of pipe smoking going on, and Wisconsin farmers are responding to it. So more locally grown tobacco coming your way. On the uh, front page of PipesMagazine.com, Greg Pease wrote an article of, entitled Nothing Endures But Change. It's uh, Part of it is out of the ashes, and it, the basics is that it has to do with change over time. And there's some uh, changes afoot in blends constantly. Well, let me tell you my own little story, and this is my own little story about uh, Escudo. I've said before that I love Escudo. Started smoking it in about uh, 2000, late 2000, 2001. That was the A&C Peterson made Escudo, made at the Orlick factory. Fell in love with that. Well, about five, six years later, I finally got my hands on a tin of Cope's Escudo, made in England. Was uh, real excited to finally get a chance to try the first version of Escudo, shall we say. And uh, opened it up and was not overwhelmed with it. Why? It was slightly different. It had aged a lot longer, and I don't think I was quite ready to understand what I was looking at in an aged tobacco. But the t- the blend that I'd gotten used to and the manufacturing process that I'd gotten used to was the blend out of the A&C Peterson slash Orlick folks. It's not that it was better than Cope's or worse or Cope's was better. It was the one I liked. It's the one I knew. So automatically when I tried something different, it had changed. It wasn't what I was used to. So, like, even the farmers in Wisconsin are able to change from chewing tobacco to smoking tobacco. Change isn't always bad. It's the only thing that's constant is change. Now, the NASPC show was last weekend, Columbus, Ohio, or technically Dublin, Ohio, at the Crown Plaza Great little hotel, wonderful little area of the town. Got a bunch of really good restaurants in that neighborhood. Nice, pleasant weather. Everything was great. Uh, Attendance seemed really good at the show. Really nice to see the folks from Missouri Meersham. It was the second or third time I'd seen them at a pipe show this year. They're getting out showing off some great pipes. Lots of, a couple of new retailers were out there. Lots of new faces. Lots of young folks coming out to the pipe show. That was great. I do really appreciate all the people that came up to me and said how much they enjoy the show. Thank you very much. Too many of you to list, but it was really wonderful to hear all that. Nice to see uh, the response to some of the new product that we helped launch at the IPCPR. And this was really the first time that I'd gotten a chance to take the stuff out in public. Uh, Saturday night was dinner. Saturday night dinner in Columbus has kind of become a tradition with uh, myself and Lee Von Erk and Deb and Irv and a couple of their friends from Columbus. This year we had Fred Hanna join us and we had Chris and Nicole from uh, Northern Kentucky join us. It was a great group. Uh, Fred was the uh, target of most jokes. Uh, Joe Nelson was also there. It's a a lively bunch. We found a a great Turkish restaurant that uh, called Cafe Istanbul. Really good restaurant, really good food. 
Unfortunately, last year we were able to smoke out on their patio after dinner. This year, no smoking on the patio, so that was a bit of a bummer. But all we did was we finished up our food, and instead of having a couple of drinks there afterwards, we took our money and ourselves and went back to the uh, went back to the Crown Plaza where they had a nice patio set up for us and lots of camaraderie late into the night. Uh, somebody might have had a little bit too much to drink on Saturday night. I'm not saying who, but it might have been me. But lots of good times, lots of good fun. I do want to say one thing, and if you take a look on my Facebook page, you'll see where I posted it. So every year the NASPC show does a raffle. You buy a dollar raffle tickets, people donate stuff, it's how they pay for the show. It's one of their big fundraisers. And every year I always buy $20 or $40 worth of tickets. It's my way of supporting them. Well, this year Pam Unger, Bill's widow, had donated some of his pipes as uh, part of the raffle prizes. And there were some, uh, some great pieces in there. Donated about six of the pipes. They gave away the pipes at the drawing at about uh, 4 o'clock. And then they said, oh, we have one more thing. And they told the story of the... The sign had hung in the custom-built factory, and of course Bill had written the, basically written the book on the custom-built factory. And when the custom-built pipe factory closed down, Bill got this sign that says, Handmade Briar Pipes. And it had been donated to the raffle. I was the one lucky enough to win it. And I, almost as proper as it could be, because Bill had a unique collection of pipes. I have a unique collection of my Disney pipes. Bill was really the only one that had a good-sized collection of custom-builts. I'm the only one that has a good-sized collection of Disney pipes. So, safe to say that that, uh, that now has a, a prominent position above my pipe rack, and if you check out my Facebook page, you'll see that sign that uh, means a lot to me and is... Uh, I'm honored to have it, and it's got an honored spot in the house where it will hang for a long time. Uh, the other highlight to the show, of course, was getting to spend some time face-to-face -face with uh, John Seiler. John, you're wonderful. Can't wait to see you again in Richmond. All right, rant time's coming up next. <laughs> I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical, a tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented perfect match system. Try it at SutlifeTobacco.com. Go to SutlifeTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. This is Internet Radio. Cowboy. Cowboy. Mm -hmm. 
Dear dumbass ignorant retailers, let me tell you a little story about how not to be so ignorant and how not to be such a bunch of dumbasses. Are you ready? So, my son Kevin, not the one on the other end of this uh, radio show here, but my son Kevin, 21 years old, on uh, July 7th had a day off from the summer camp in uh, the middle of North Carolina that he was working at, came back home for the day, bought a battery charger for his phone from Best Buy. The uh, battery charger was not exactly what he needed. So he gets back from camp after another two weeks or so on uh, July, well, three weeks, I guess. On July 29th, he tries to take that back to Best Buy. Best Buy explains to him, sorry, that's a 15-day return policy item. So I look at it, and he's telling me how he's stuck with this $44 charger that he doesn't need, and we've switched phones and everything. I said, give it to me, and let me try to take it back. Now, fast forward to last weekend, it's way over their 30-day return policy, but here's the difference, and here's where dumbass ignorant retailers need to pay attention. Are you ready for this? Because behind every 21-year-old or every teenager that comes up to you and that you just blow off and ignore them because they're a teenager, there's a parent back there. There are older people that also shop at your stores. Now, here's what I did. I took the receipt. I walked into the retailer, stood in line at the return desk, got right up to the front, walked up to the lady and said, Hi, I need to talk to the biggest boss here because this isn't a normal situation. She said, What can I do for you? Well, she's hiding behind the register counter and everything, and I kind of lean over the register, lean over the counter, over her screen, and kind of get into her space a little bit to take her off balance a little bit, and uh, tell her the story, and long story short, within four minutes, I'm walking out of there with a full refund and a gift card for Best Buy. The reason why is because I'm 45 years old, I know how to talk to people, and retailers don't think that we're trying to pull a game and they know that they can't push somebody around who's 45. I'm willing to stand there and I'm willing to talk and I'm willing to say exactly what I want and tell them exactly what they're going to do. So, ignorant retailers, take note. Every one of those teenagers, every one of those young kids that you push around or you blow off because they're a young kid and I don't have to pay attention to them, guess what? There's parents behind them. So, with that, Hey, make sure and follow me on Facebook. If you're on iTunes, please leave us iTunes reviews. We really do appreciate that. Send me those uh, favorite moments from shows of the past. If you would like to advertise on PipesMagazine.com, contact Kevin Godby. Kevin handles all the ad stuff for the radio show as well as the website. Also, artisan pipe makers, brick-and-mortar stores, pipe clubs, we've got a special offer for you, so reach out and check with him on that. Everybody, I hope you in uh, the United States and Canada enjoy the upcoming Labor Day weekend. I know I'll be uh, laboring at home, probably uh, fighting the urge to do yard work. So thank you to everybody for tuning in. Thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company, and until next time... Who
Sing a song and think about sunny weather. Three burritos from Taco Bell for dinner before doing the radio show? Not a good idea.